Could you share with us a special welcoming message about this year's Taipei Biennial? Just come and see it. No, best just. We, you know, we please cut that part out. <laughs> no, I, I would, I, I would definitely leave that in. Like this is the best. It's like, yeah, you should, you should just go. You should just come. Yeah. No, we've put, we've put together a very exciting program. Hello, there, people of the world. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. I'm your host Sharon Lin, and welcome to my show, Come Along, where we talk about the arts, culture, history, and many things under the umbrella of the arts. Coming to you from Taipei, Taiwan. Today's show is super exciting as I was joined by two of the curators of this year's 2023 Taipei Biennial, Reem Shadid and Brian Kwan Wood. You just heard a snippet filled with laughter at the beginning. This year, the Taipei Biennial will be from November 18th to March 24th of 2024 at the Taipei Fine Arts Museum. Yes, so all the way from autumn to spring here in Taipei, Taiwan, exciting things are happening. In the interview you'll listen to later on, I pronounce it as Taipei Biennale as I mix it up with how the Venice Biennale is pronounced. So my bad, but I think it's clear enough. Anyway. This year, the Taipei Biennial brings together over 50 artists from all around the world, including from Palestine, shout to Palestine, Indonesia, Germany, Lebanon, Spain, Mexico, Sri Lanka, and of course Taiwan. The list goes on. I will link the official website from the Taipei Fine Arts Museum in today's post, so make sure to check it out. In today's show, Reem and Brian will share with us how the team nailed down this year's theme titled "Small World" and a bigger picture for you of what people could expect from this year's exhibit and programs. Stay tuned for part two of our conversation coming out next Monday, where we will name drop some artists we're super excited to share with you. And follow us at RTI English on Instagram for upcoming interview highlights. So, without further ado, let's welcome Reem Shadid and Brian Quanwood. Hey, you! It's your host Sharon, and welcome back to my show. Come along. So today I'm super excited because I'm sitting here in the studio with two of the curators of this year's Taipei Biennale. Today we have Rim Shadi. Hi, Sharon. And also hi, and also Brian Kwan Wood. Hello. I am super excited, and I need to remind myself to kind of tone down my excitement just a little bit before we get started. Let's have an introduction of of you both to the listeners. So let's start with you, Rim.、Uh, so my name is Rim Shadid. I'm a curator from Palestine. I'm currently the director of Beirut Art Center in Lebanon. I mean, I've been working in the arts since 2006, and I'm primarily. I mean, I started working in art more on kind of operational and logistics, let's say,、mm-hmm. and then I and then I kind of slowly and gradually, with time, moved to curating and more public programming and、uh, different types of interest、uh, within art. And Brian. I'm, but my background is really in writing and、uh, yes. and editing、uh, and teaching. I have、uh, taught at, at the School of Visual Arts in a master's for for、yes. master's in curatorial practice program for for some years. This will be my first time working on a major、uh, exhibition. Exciting! So actually, Brian,、uh, let's start with you. I've actually come across your writings before without actually knowing it's you. So I remember it was from 2012, the、uh, the Hyperbian Now in 2012, and I got this. 
printed copy of Modern Monsters: Death and、mm. Life of Fiction, and I was reading it, and I put under the basket、uh, in the basket under my bed. So I've come across your work multiple times without really knowing that it was you. So it's really exciting for me to now, you know, sitting right across from you and read your work. I read、uh, read from a recent、uh, residency you did in Siena. I really look forward to talk with you more about how your work ex- explores diverse forms of protest and through art making a stand against state violence, injustice, and oppressive systems of control. And also your previous work at the Sharjah Art Foundation in the UAE. And I watched a talk you gave a couple of years ago. You shared that, for example, in such a young country like the UAE, it's really an interesting space to talk more about, like how could we kind of confront the so-called. Canon in art history, like why is it always Eurocentric, for example? And also, we have one thing in common: you're also a radio show host. Yes,、mm. at、uh, Radio Ahara. So, could you share with us a little bit more? I did. I started a radio show during the pandemic on Radio Ahara, which is a radio that、uh, it's an online radio, but it's it was started by a collective of artists and designers and architects in Palestine and Jordan.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I started a show that was、um, speaking. I mean, you know, everyone was home. No one really knew how long this was gonna last or、yes. what to do. And I wanted to kind of do a program that is around my own interests in sound and music. So I started a program that is kind of listening sessions. The format is、mm-hmm. a listening session、um, with different artists who work kind of across these different disciplines. So like kind of visual, sound, even literary. So I've done a series of interviews with、um, artists who kind of work across these disciplines. So it's a kind of a conversation, and then we listen to music together. And、mm. we've we've also, I mean, we'll speak about that later. But we've also kind of, you know, we're using that form of a listening session within the opening week program of、uh, yes. Taipei Biennial. So yeah. yeah, to to carry it kind of a little bit. Yeah, which I cannot wait to talk more. I feel like along with Freya Chu, Joanne Man, I feel like the three of you are just exceptional in bringing different topics and seemingly distant themes together to a wider audience. So let's jump right in. So the title of this year's Happy Beer Now is called Small World. Could you share with us the story of how you nail down this year's theme and what you hope to evoke in the audience with the title Small World? Well, I guess also now that you mention the three of us, I think there are the the title is full of different inversions. But one, when you mention the three of us、um, and our backgrounds,、uh, the three of us come from extremely different parts of the world. Actually, so when we talk about a small world, we actually inhabit quite large yeah,、uh, world like, between the three wide, of us,、yeah. uh, which are full of.、Um, Huge、uh, contradictions and、mm-hmm. distances, but more generally, I think、um, with with the small one thing that we thought about a lot in the beginning was、uh, were questions of scale,、uh, questions of scale, which are also questions of your own positioning in relation to things which、uh, appear to be extremely large、uh, or or appear to be extremely small and make you extremely large. But of course, you、mm-hmm. can't scale is an abstraction. When you talk about scale, it's very hard to find your position in it. So we decided to opt for the small. It's A bit of rhetorical choice to talk、oh. about if we wanted. We are sort of choosing the small to talk about the large. There's a little bit of trickery, but then also at the small, at the same time, we are we were thinking also a lot about asking ourselves what kind of wisdom、uh, has come from this very. Painful and severe time of the pandemic. Many of us have been forced to reflect a lot about and forced into a small world,、um, but also forced into a state of reflecting on 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 our place in relation to to a very large and and sometimes menacing world.、Um, we wanted to ask what kind of wisdom comes from that, and we wanted to ask about the small 
as both a promise and a threat. Yeah, one of the things, I mean, just to kind of continue to what Brian is saying, on what Brian is saying is that, you know, we had discussed the title of Small World multiple, multiple times. And one of the things that we were also discussing is that, you know, during the pandemic, small world became something, you know, was kind of like our worlds really got smaller. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is the feeling. But then also you use it as a phrase. I mean, I think Brian had put this previously in in, in a very beautiful way of, of um, I think, remind me, Brian, what you said is that kind of a small world is also... Promise and a threat? No, small world <laughs> is, is the intimate surprises. Mm. When you say it's a yeah. small world, like, you you know, maybe we know someone in common and they say, oh, oh what I'm sure a small we do. Yeah. Yes, I'm actually sure we do yeah. also. But yes. so when you say, oh, what a small world, it's actually like the, the thing about that phrase is, is that it, it has this kind of in, like kind of a surprise intimacy in it. Yes. That for a moment really kind of puts you in a different space. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of maybe continue on small world specifically as a title yeah yeah and scale and intimacy is actually two things that i love to see how artists explore and also this year's type of bnl will feature artworks from more than 50 international and local artists so it's a very diverse mix of people so how do you approach curating such a richness of stories of different mediums and from with artists from all around the world we started the process with with um Artists that we've been in conversation with, um, mm. artists that have inspired us, artists that we've that we also wanted to work with because you know of different histories or different uh, relationships before. We started with kind of like more of a core um, group of artists that helped us think: How do we build on this? How do we build on this discussion around scale and small world? And mm -hmm. then how do we also kind of widen the conversation to address these multiple layered issues that we're trying to kind of evoke in, in small world. So it's been really kind of like a building process of, of starting off with a few and then kind of, you know, building. And I think that one of the things is that the three of us have brought in also surprisingly different suggestions. So mm -hmm. not all the Arab artists in the show are my proposal, <laughs> for <laughs> yeah, example, for sure, yeah. yes, <laughs> or all the art. So it's been really also nice in, in thinking what artists from different parts of the world also mean to us in different parts of the world and how we can see or how we see that they can kind of continue the conversations together. Yeah, it, re it reminds me that that actually during the during our process of making the selection, because it was also in a kind of a post-COVID moment, we found ourselves also kind of working against ourselves in different ways and trying new things. That, so a small and comfortable world, we were actually yeah. also in, in our thinking, trying to do, trying to find things that we didn't know. And especially like this year, um, the BNL will launch a two-day opening program. So it will be listeners, it will be on November 18th to the 19th. So make sure to mark your calendars. We will be having different conversations, live performances, and listening sessions presented by artists, musicians, and writers as well. People could expect a like enjoy a stimuli involving so many senses. So could you share with us the planning process of um, different programs and why is it important to involve multiple senses? I mean, one of the things for me, for example, you asked me about my the radio show that I had started during the pandemic. The yeah. reason that at the time I went to, I, I became more interested. I had done work on with sound artists before, but I became more interested in sound during the pandemic because I felt like visual, because I mean, you know, we were in our houses and the screens were the only things that we were kind of glued to almost. Mm, very I mean, much so. Yeah. Normally we are also glued to them, but I think the pandemic, we started watching exhibitions on, on screens. Yeah. We start, so I think at the time, I just felt like the, for me, the visual language was not enough during the pandemic. It really wasn't. And I needed to resort to a different 
type of language in order to kind of open up to something. I mean, I felt stuck. And mm-hmm. and I think that kind of sound and music gave me an outlet that I, at, at the time, really didn't have and I needed it. So I think the thinking here was also similar, is that we wanted to... We wanted to provide um, different approaches to how the audience can kind of experience what we've been working on. Because, you know, the three of us have been working on this for a year, a little bit more than a year. Mm -hmm. And it's really kind of us in meeting rooms and (laughs) in Zooms. (laughs) So I think for for me, it was it was thinking of kind of um, a specific of of um, of language. And I'm not talking about semantic language. I'm talking about the different languages yeah. that can actually, that can deliver something, in, uh, that can deliver things in different ways. We thought that it, it, it's definitely very interesting to have artists speak with artists. So we have a series of talks that are artist on artists. Uh, we have the listening session also as a way, and I think Brian might talk more about this in terms of sure. uh, our interest in music labels and the process of music labels and 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 um, all of that. But also, you know, we have a screening program for the biennial. The screening room is in the middle of the um, exhibition space. Mm -hmm. there's multiple kind of yeah sensories and I mean for me at least it was important because because of the search that I've had for a while about this kind of inadequacy of language I mean Mm -hmm. I've spoken this uh, about it a lot it's something we tried to explore as a part of the biennial but there I I think we we had a lot of questions about a certain space in between the way music is understood to be listened to and performed and the way that art objects are are expected to also perform or not or sit Mm -hmm. there or Mm -hmm. And we wanted to explore a certain kind of a space where these things could mix a, a little bit more, a kind of a tactile and material uh, and, and performative way of understanding time. And uh, one of the first, uh, we're doing a music room in the exhibition, for example, yes. uh, and the, the opening program, uh, a lot of the opening program will take place there. Um, but then the first series organized by that will be by DJ Sniff, which will be in December uh, very soon, um, which which gathers a number of, t- of turntablists from around the world. DJ Sniff is a very accomplished uh, turntablist, and he's asking a lot of questions about mm. the, the kind of uh, tactile quality of playing recordings, which is what turntablism and, and DJs do. Yeah. But also, uh, turntablism, actually, scratch and, and scratching is a, is, a, is a very tactile and sensual relationship to recorded uh, media. So this kind of way of performing the recording is also an operation on time that we wanted to, we, 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 we were really attracted to artists who were, who were mm. exploring this. Yeah, I really cannot wait to see how the different experiences of senses and different media and sound and visual will transform the exhibit space. And I know this year you collaborated with AAU Anesta Studio, founded in Palestine. So could you share with us how did the collaboration come about? And especially, could you tease us a little bit how the design will transform Form the space. We were just in the space before we came here. So oh, yes, tell us. <laughs> Yusuf and Elias are are they're part of the Rajul Hara co-founders. So I actually had, had had known them for a while and through the radio. But they're also architects, and they're yes. architects who have who have a huge interest in in music and sound. So it was one of you know one of the proposals was to kind of look at their work and see if it's a, if it's a good fit. And I think we discussed it the three of us, and we felt like this is something that could be very interesting to us. So this is kind of how the collaboration came about. In terms of the the structure, I mean, you know, one of the things that we were, that came out of some of the conversations that we had, for example, with DJ Sniff, when we were thinking of the Music Room program is, he expressed to us that in kind of biennials or visual art exhibitions, music and sound is always secondary. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I feel from uh, last year's um, Venice Biennale. Yes. 
basically it's always secondary it's mm-hmm. always kind of mm-hmm. almost seen as almost entertainment mm. i mean i don't want to say that. yeah decorative yeah, yeah secondary yeah and i think that the musicians he, he was also explaining to us that the musicians don't necessarily always feel welcome in exhibition spaces because again mm. they're kind of cordoned off to like oh this is more you know decorative or entertainment mm-hmm. so one of the thinking was that we really wanted to do something that's dedicated that actually puts musicians and artists who kind of work with music and sound centering on, them more centering them more but at the same time we wanted to decenter the um, spatially at least we wanted to decenter this idea of a central always kind of a stage that you kind of raise people on and mm-hmm. then that relationship with the audience so when we spoke with Yusuf and Yas Anastas about this they came up with a design that actually gives multiple I mean of course there's a center because there's a center to everything <laughs> yeah. but but I mean we try to really kind of give equal weight to different parts of the room so mm-hmm. it's a structure that is takes over most of the most of the room and then allows for different types of stages that are approximately the same size and it's a spiral Yes, Ooh. it's a spiral. I forgot. Okay, yeah. listeners, you know where to find me at the. You know, I- I'm going. I'm so excited. Yeah. So you brought up the pandemic previously, and I feel like that was um, COVID nineteen was a time of separation and loss, but also of hope as well. And I feel like it's so wonderful that at this year's Biennale in Taipei, people can gather together and experience different kinds of art. So feel free to share from a personal point of view. What do you think is special about experiencing art in person and the togetherness that you can feel people around you in the gallery space? This is a tough question.、Mm. <laughs> yeah, I had thought about it because you know I think also during the pandemic there were these conversations, for example, of are biennials still necessary? Are huge, large-scale events still necessary? I know that, like、mm. for example, yeah, there was a series of talks that I think Freeze organized in Singapore around kind of some of these questions. I think the answer is yes. Because even though we were incredibly separated, but I think that we also need to be together to un- to to. It, it's very lonely. I mean,、mm. the world is becoming lonelier and lonely.、Mm. People are the the way that we live. All the kind of political and economic situations have made people feel more and more lonely. So at least. For me, this togetherness is necessary because it's kind of sorry, but I saw something on Instagram. Yes, that, be- <laughs> that it was kind of like a thing, a little post, and it said, "What if, like, what if every every person said, 'I want to make a change,' but seven million people said it? Do you know what I mean? So I this, know it's this thing about like kind of really feeling lonely and saying, 'Well, what can I do by myself?'" But then you have also like you know six million people who are saying what can I do? So I, this I mean I just bring this as an example because it makes me think that actually people really need this. People really need to be in conversation with each other. I mean I need it.、Yes. You know I、yeah. need to see artworks. I mean otherwise I can just look at them online maybe or just have a private viewing of something. But I think the experience of first of all artistic practices speaking to art to other artists artistic practices. So like artworks speaking to artworks from different parts of the world. I think can also like help. Yeah, it can help like kind of make more connections. I guess another thing we thought about a lot with the concept was was degrowth. Where I mean, this is I think a lot of the the complaint about、uh, about biennials in general is, is even just the flying, which、uh, mm-hmm. uh, and the the exhaustion of resources. That there's something kind of excessive about these these large productions, and, and it's this kind of fear fear of the large,、um, mm-hmm. which is which is very valid with with degrowth. It's, it's also a challenge to to not measure. One's own accomplishments in terms of, of of scale and consumption. Thinking about this, and also be, being interested in artists who were who, who challenged themselves in similar ways, we we also had to find ways to limit our 
appetites and and to also not demand so much of, of viewers that it makes them exhausted so exhausted that they lose their sensibility they, mm. they lose their 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 ability to sense the things that they are encountering and to try to find uh, to, to try to work the scales in a way that allows more uh, that allows feeling to to, to still um, be expressed that is a wrap for part one stay tuned for part two of our conversation coming out next monday i'll see you then